God's no and deprivation in your life is a gift. When God withholds something that we want or gives us consequences for bad choices is a wonderful gift. Well, it's not our natural tendency to think that it's a gift when God withholds or delays fulfilling our prayerful requests. We want Him to honor them now. Well, as we're learning, when God withholds things from us, it's not because He's mean. It's because He knows what's best for us. Delay helps us see His timing and build stability. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Loritz. We're in a series of messages Crawford has titled, Rock Solid Confidence. Hope you can stay with us as we continue with his message, Don't Panic, based on Hebrews chapter 10. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you're new to our broadcast, Crawford has been teaching and sharing the Word of God for over 50 years. He's served as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and Lessons from a Life Coach. The messages we feature each week come from Crawford's 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. He retired from fellowship a few years ago and now heads an organization called Beyond Our Generation. Well, let's head to Hebrews chapter 10 and learn how to wait on God and trust His timing. Here's Crawford with part two of the message, Don't Panic, here on Living a Legacy. And I'm talking to some folks here today. What you need to do in the midst of your crisis and your circumstances, and you have lost all your confidence, it is, it is shaky, you're about ready to throw it in a dumpster, you are scared to death, you don't know what to do, you're doubtful, you're nervous, the very first thing you need to do is sit yourself down someplace and go all the way back in your mind to see how God wonderfully led you Where did he take you from? What did he do in your life? The people that he sent in your life, the opportunities that he gave you, the folks that love you. Each step in your life has been a supernatural step. How he has protected you all these years and you're still breathing. You're still alive. You may not have what you want, but you have what you need. He led you. So he says, wait, 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 wait. Before you go into this land, come back here for a second. Let's have a little talk around the campfire. Write down how I led you. There's a cloud by day, and he's saying, you know, you're not going to need this cloud anymore because you're at the place where I promised you, but I need, you need to remember that cloud by day. And that pillow of fire by night, remember? Remember that? When the pillow of fire showed up and it started moving, you broke camp because I was leading you. And what makes you think that I'm not leading you today? Huh? What makes you think that? What, what makes you think that God's not leading you today? Secondly, this sounds a little strange, but he says it in number two. You need to remember not only how God led you, that's the stuff of confidence. Number two, you need to remember how God tested you. That also is the stuff of confidence. 
Now listen to what he says here. Uh, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Uh, it's translated a little, little weird here. You, you could have said, because he tested you, he humbled you. It's not that God didn't know what was in their hearts. That old Tencent theological word, anthropomorphism is what that's called. It's a figure of speech. It, it wasn't that God tested them so God could find out. Let's see, how much do they really know? I really don't know. That's, no, that, that's not the point. The test was not for God. The test was for their humility. The test was for their humility. The second part of this, I'm going to come back to this, but let me give you a little hint right now what I'm talking about here. Listen to me, listen to me. You got to be counterintuitive here. Confidence is not just based upon consistent success. This is the reason why biblical confidence, as you study confidence in the Bible, is not like the same as the self-esteem talk out in the marketplace. Now, I do believe in self-esteem, but the Bible says failure is important to your confidence because it's a reliance issue. You, you have to be tested so that you have healthy self-perception. You know who you are and you know who you're not. And so I, I tested you in the wilderness. So as a matter of record, you know you ain't all of that in a bag of chips. You do understand that, don't you? You, you do understand left to yourself, you're going to screw up. You do get that, don't you? You do understand you might be good in this area, but man, you better stay away from this over here because you didn't pass this test. And I'm appealing to you right now. Listen, listen, listen to the negative stuff in your life. It shows you what to stay away from. You didn't pass it back then. Maybe God wants you to stay away from that. Some of you have weaknesses in your thought life. If you have weaknesses morally. Some of you have weaknesses the little character issue, you lie sometimes. You need to know that. What do we need to remember? Well, how God led us, how God tested us, but thirdly, how God provided for us. You know, don't throw that away. Remember how he provided me. Look, look at verse 5. And he humbled you and led you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Sounds familiar? That's what Jesus said to Satan when he tried to tempt him. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. It's as if God says, wait, wait, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Okay, you're getting ready to go into this land right now. And there's going to be a lot of temptation. There's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of problems, a lot of hassles. There's going to be prosperity that you did not know existed. And you're going to be crazy to go nuts. I mean, it's going to be like an alcoholic with the keys to the liquor store. That's what's going to happen to you. Okay, oh, all this stuff. But he said, I want you to understand something. That that too is my provision for you. But you need to understand all these years I have provided for you. Now, you may not have liked uh, what I provided in terms of food. You may have complained about it. But did you have something to eat every day? Every day you woke up, you had something to eat. I am, uh, that's why I tell people all the time, don't ever let a paycheck determine your integrity. Don't ever let salary determine your character. 
For the same one that took care of you before you got that job is the one that takes care of you on the job and will take care of you when you leave the job. And that's the point that he's saying, I took care of you. I fed you. I gave you what you... Look at your clothes. God kept the clothes and shoes in great condition. Can you imagine wearing the same outfits for 40 years? (laughs) Can you imagine that? I mean, there weren't no malls or... Or, or, you know, uh, shopping centers or boutiques. I mean, can you imagine these other nomadic people passing them by, 2.5 million Israelites going through the wilderness, and they're saying they want to barter with them, say, you want some clothes? They go, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> 40 years. He said, not only that, you, you had the strength to finish. That's what the last line uh, of verse 5 is all about. I'm sorry, verse 4. He says, and your foot did not swell these 40 years? Meaning that I I gave you the strength to keep moving. Do you hear the implication here? What, what, What makes you think that I can't do that now? What makes you think that way? What makes you think that I can't provide for you now? That I can't give you what you need? I did it. I can do it. What right have you to be nervous, intimidated, and fearful? You you need to remember how I led you. You need to remember how I tested you. You need to remember how I provided for you. But number four, this is is huge. You, You need to remember how I disciplined you. I want you to hear me. And I want, I want younger people to hear me. If you're less than 25 years old, I want you to really hear me. God's no and deprivation in your life is a gift. Let me explain that. When God withholds something that we want or gives us consequences for bad choices is a wonderful gift. You cannot have confidence apart from stability. And what teaches stability is denial and consequences. You can't have confidence without getting a spanking. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not playing with you. If you've raised a healthy family that's well-balanced, the place of, of consequences is all over it. You cannot present to the world a productive person that will make a contribution if they have not learned to value consequences for bad choices. You can't do it. That's the reason why even when interviewing people here for staff at this church, you know, two questions that I asked them, I asked them, number one, tell me about a dark, broken time in your life and how you got through it, and then tell me about a season that God disciplined you. I don't want anybody that hadn't been disciplined. And the very nature of ministering and pastoring is brokenness. So we need to cherish the spankings that God's given us. I'm 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 not playing with words here. And that's what he says here in the text. Here in verse, uh, verse five, he says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. 
Out of his great love, God keeps us on a short leash. And by the way, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 will explain more of that. In fact, that text says very strongly that any, any person who professes to be a follower of Christ who is not getting disciplined may not be a believer. Now listen to me. I, 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 discipline is, a, God has spanked me so many times for wrong decisions. I gotta tell you, I could, I could get, I've been to the spiritual woodshed so many times. And so have you. But at this stage in my life, I've learned to cherish it. Because a loving father says, Crawford, I'm not going to let you destroy yourself. And it's God's grace that if you messed up and you got caught, that's God's grace. That's a gift from God to you. Gift from God when you lied, you got caught and he disciplined you. Gift from God is that God puts you on hold and wouldn't let you see that dream because he's disciplining you for your pride and your arrogance. He's disciplining for your condescending spirit. You just think you're too much. And some of us, all of us as believers, go in and out of discipline. So he says, you know, that's the foundation for your confidence. You know, you go, oops, I know not to do that again. What, what will this produce in us? Why do, we, why do we need to remember? What to remember? How he led us, okay, how, uh, how, how he tested us, how he provided for us, and how he disciplined us. Okay, that's the stuff of my confidence, but why? Why do we need to remember it? I, and I want to say to you that because it, it produces three incredible things that are rock solid that you cannot go without. The first thing that it produces is an unconditional obedience. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when you remember how God led you, when you remember how he tested you, when you remember how he provided for you, when you remember how he disciplined you, the first thing that it produces is an unconditional obedience. In other words, who do we listen to? Says it right here in the text, verse 11. He says, take care. Lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. I don't want to sound legalistic here. And, and sometimes we make too much of a play. Grace involves uh, uh, obedience. It involves God's wonderful, lavish uh, uh, acceptance uh, unconditionally of us. But obedience is a big thing to God. It's a big thing. Don't take obedience lightly. I did these things, so you might learn to obey me. It's not that God wants to, wants to hurt us. No, we obey God because he wants us to experience his best. And I would plead with you today, if you're listening to me, don't make the mistake of not taking God seriously. That's the reason why he uses the strong, emphatic expression, take care. It's a warning statement. Secondly, we remember because it produces unconditional obedience. Number two, it produces undivided loyalty. That's why we remember. Look at verse 12. He says, Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, 
Oh my goodness. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget, Lord your God. He says, you know, you know he says, what my, my concern for you is this. My concern for you is this. You, you're going to get in this land and you're going to get a divided loyalty. Because you're going to somehow think that you deserve this nice property. You deserve these huge clusters of fruit and vegetables, and you deserve this prosperity. Let me tell you what I've learned from this text and from life. I think the greatest threat to a single heart devotion to Christ is a loss of gratitude. That's where it all starts. When you stop being grateful to God for what he's done, it's a sign. It's a sign that uh, <laughs> you, you, you have allowed the creeping weeds of pride and entitlement to grab a hold of your heart. And by the way, at that point, we become loyal to ourselves. Because we think we deserve God's blessing and favor. I mean, why wouldn't he do that for me? And I have to point out that disobedience and disloyalty always leads to idolatry. You're going to worship somebody or something, okay? And if you think that you deserve, and I think that I deserve what I'm getting, I become self-indulgent. I'm it. That's a bad bad place to be. And so we remember how he led us, we remember how he tested us, we remember how he provided for us, and we remember how he disciplined us. So we stay away from that. And we don't treat ourselves and act as if God owes us. Number three, we remember these four things to produce in us an uncompromising dependence. God got you to where you are, verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. No, no, no. How he led you, how he tested you, how he provided for you, how he disciplined you. No, you didn't, you didn't get there. God got you to where you are. Number two, God gave you what you have, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as as it is this day. The source and foundation of our confidence our unambiguous courage is God himself. This week, what I want you to do, we encourage you to do this. I'd like for you to take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and carve out a little bit of time to do this on these four days. On Monday, what I'd like for you to do is to take a sheet of paper and write across the top how God led me. And what I'd like for you to do is just, just sit back and remember the milestones of his leading in your life. I did that this past week, and I couldn't stop crying. Tuesday, across the top, the next page, right, how God tested me. What did you learn from failure? What are those times in which you had to look at the exam and went, ooh, that ain't good. 
Then on Wednesday, across the top, how God provided for you. Think about the ways, the jobs, the money, the, the, the opportunities, and the people, and what he has provided for you. List those things. And the last one, right across the page, how God disciplined me. You might want to put in parentheses, oops, don't want to do that again. Hmm. I want to share this little story and insight with you. Alzheimer's is so tragic because it is the loss of memory. It's, uh, it's you know, someone's called it the long goodbye. And just about all of us these days have family and friends who have been down that pike. My, my mother was heading that direction, and then she had a massive heart attack and went home to be with Jesus. I'll never forget the panic in my heart when I went to visit her. We're standing in the store, and my mother's mind was sharp as could be. She, she was the, the brain trust, and I don't know, it was less than like two and a half, three minutes. She asked me the same question six times. Scared me to death. I'll never forget... Uh, I served on the board of Columbia International University, wonderful time on that board. But I had the privilege of being on that board when Robinson McQuilkin, the then president of the school, walked into a board meeting and announced that he was resigning. And the reason why he was resigning is because his wife Muriel's Alzheimer's had progressed. In the early stages of that disease, there's a lot of panic because you know something is wrong and you're frustrated and you, your world starts closing in on you. And I'll never forget him saying with tears streaming out of his cheeks in that board meeting that, you know, she comes walking back and forth from the house there on the campus, uh, and it's like a mile away, 8, 10, 12 times a day, because the only person she feels comfortable with and confident with at that point, he said, was me. The only one that we ought to be comfortable with and find our source of confidence is God. I led you. I tested you. I provided for you. I disciplined you. I'm your dad. Come here. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Don't panic, the title of today's message. Take Crawford up on his suggestion for this week. Each day, remember how God has provided for and directed you. List each milestone and watch your confidence in God grow. Well, this message was part of Crawford's series, Rock Solid Confidence, and hope you can be with us each week for this study. If you joined us part way in today's broadcast, listen to all of it on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Just click on the link past programs. You can also listen on your favorite podcast site. Your emails help us know that God is using this program to help move you along in your walk with Christ. And we recently heard from Alexandria, who writes, Dear Living a Legacy, I regularly enjoy Dr. Loritz here in Florida and listen to him on Way Radio 104.9 FM. Thank you so much, Alexandria. And here's an email from Paula who says, Dear friends, as requested from your broadcast, here's a note to let you know I listen and am thankful. Thanks, Paula. Well, that's all it takes to let us know you're there. And now it's your turn. Write to us at legacyandmoody.edu, legacyandmoody.edu. Next week, Crawford talks about Christ, our confidence, and hope you'll be back. I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today. 
This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.